Folks, this week we're going to talk with uh, Brent Rose of Beyond. I really love this interview, James. And, and yeah. one of the things I love the most about it is how he spoke about uh, agents being merchant advocates or yes. client advocates and that how yeah. that advocacy tree, yes. so to speak, um, permeates that organization. And, and, right. and that's really important because it's not just that – uh, you know, as he was t- explaining, it's just not the the agent being the client advocate, but right. the agent has his own advocate within the structure. And I think that that's really key yeah. to building a sales organization, don't well, you? And especially a sales organization that's able to sell solutions the way that Beyond right. does. Right. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was super interesting. And then tell us about the insiders report, Patty. Uh, we're going to have uh, some updates on uh, consumer and merchant trends uh, vis-a-vis payments. Not a lot of surprises, but a few things that uh, kind of can give you some little nuggets when you're talking to your merchants. And and we even got a little bit of a scorecard for our industry, but I won't, I won't uh, spoil alert. Right, right. We'll do that. But, and James, your uh, questions from the field. I love that this week. Well, yeah, yeah, really. It was just an, you know, an intro to how to sell software to SMBs because we were just talking about that with Brent. So I thought it'd be a good time to talk about the free training course. I just got done making a training course. I'm allowing anybody in the industry to watch that particular course for free. Um, And so if you get to the end there, I'll do a little bit of a, uh, intro about it. Um, I should have mentioned too, you can head to our YouTube channel um, if you want to watch a replay of the live event I just did uh, okay. with Zuza on how to sell software, just you know, youtube.com slash CC Sales Pro. But uh, I'm really excited about this one. I think we had a great theme today, Patty. So let's dive in. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody. Patty and I are here today with Burt Rose, the Chief Revenue Officer at Beyond. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, James. How are you? How are you, Patty? Oh, I'm awesome. And I'm glad to, glad that you're doing well too, my friend. Yes, absolutely. So I'm really excited about today's podcast. This is a topic I've wanted to cover with Brent for quite a while. And that is how do we get merchant sales teams to really embrace software and technology and value-added services? You know, how do we get merchant sales reps to sell more than just merchant sales? So I'm excited about that. But of course, Brent, before we get into that, love to get your story a little bit. Can you tell us about your journey in this crazy industry and then how you ended up as chief revenue officer at Beyond? Sure, absolutely. Um, it, it's definitely been a journey, right? Um, my uh, my uh, it spans nearly three decades, or just over three decades, really. So started in the industry back in the early '90s. Uh, really, at that point, you know, converting merchants from paper paper deposits and right. the old knuckle busters and so forth to right. Uh, right. electronic draft capture, and you know that kind of that kind of grew and grew and you know, operating on my own for, for, for many years and then built out a first sales organization um, and, uh, you know, started to build a team around it and something that, you know, we do today as well and really a big focus. And, and we'll talk about, you know, value added products and solutions and services. Even back then, um, you know, trying to create an opportunity where it wasn't just about the payments, trying to think ahead of, you know, really where we were going to go. Right. Um, so I, I think back in, in one of the first value added solutions we had was uh, check verification and check presentation and so right. forth. Right. Right. And, uh, that, that grew into uh, gift card programs and loyalty programs. So um, really, you know, that, that's been a focus of mine from a lot for a long time. So uh, built a couple sales organizations and uh, uh, had different impacts, uh, you know, different uh, stories, I guess, in the industry. But you know, really serviced on the, uh, not only building up the sales organization, but I had a lot of focus and, you know, I had this techno- technological background or IT background, right? 
so we developed our first CRM platform and merchant onboarding platform back in the uh, you know, mid to late nineties, right. uh, which was, you know, at that point just built on an access database and, right, and so no. forth. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and even then we were, we were ordering equipment through uh, TPG on a dial up connection and, and all those good things. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Uh, so trying to think ahead and, and just create a, an overall good experience, you know, from the servicing side, as well as the, uh, the, the sales side and that process. Um, so spent, uh, had a number of different uh, careers throughout uh, the last couple decades, really uh, operating in um, uh, you know, uh, emerging market segments and really focusing uh, in a previous life, building out uh, uh, the B2B platforms and some of those things and engagements and uh, integrations into the ERP systems and so forth. And, you know, I ended up, uh, I started working with, with Bob Carr back in 97 and Okay. Somehow, uh, back in 2000 or 2017, four years ago, I uh, got a knock on the door or a call and Bob said, hey, you want to be interested in doing something? So I uh, uh, started out with Beyond in 2017 as a division director. And okay. over the course of the last uh, couple of years, grew into uh, a VP role with Emerging Markets uh, and then into uh, the chief sales officer role and uh, now chief revenue officer role. Uh, overseeing sales as well as marketing strategy and product development. So, and and that's a really cool organization that you're with. I mean, James and I we spoke with Bob Carr back uh, last year, was it? Yeah, a few months ago. Yeah, yeah it's been a few, and <clears throat> just amazes me. You know, your seems to me like you're tracking him in terms of you know evolving with the market, right? Um, and so it sounds really exciting what you're doing there. Just real quick, if you don't mind, James, I just had a real side question. When you talk emerging emerging markets, Brent, are you talking emerging um, form factors or are you talking like, you know, third world countries, emerging markets? No, really, as it relates to positioning interchange um, in markets or, or vertical segments that gotcha. have, you know, typically not accepted payments. Sure, know. sure. Right. You Emerging know. payments markets. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to get clear with that because I know sometimes yeah. with me, I talk about emerging markets and I'm talking about, you know, Asia, places right. like that. And I didn't just wanted to make sure yeah. I was clear on where we are. Sure. Yeah. So, so Brent, let's, let's dive into this topic a little bit. So, you know, getting a sales team to sell more than just merchant services is this challenge that like everybody in the market I talk to in our industry is like, we're trying to do this, we're failing. <laughs> you know, it's just, it has not worked very well. So can you kind of put this into scope for us a little bit? Why is this such a big problem, uh, such a hairy problem, I guess? And then why is it so important to solve this one? No, absolutely. absolutely. And I think it's, it's a really difficult solution. Um, are really a, diff a difficult problem to solve, right? And I, I think it really comes down to the way that I look at how we develop um, software, right? Um, so I think there, there's really two different approaches or strategies in software development uh, that, you know, that you either enable the success or detract from it altogether. So mm -hmm. when, when I look at, you know, software development, um, is, is curating a path for a bigger opportunity of engagement and ultimately market share. So you'll have success with payments professionals in that process. When you build, build software on the philosophy that the merchants are telling you um, what they really want and you get a greater engagement from the, the payments professional because they understand the ecosystem 
or the commerce platform that's in the roadmap within the organization. So that's that's kind of the approach that I've always taken and that we're taking at Beyond today um, is really uh, understanding what's, you know, tying the, the business advocate or the salesperson into the overall development process mm-hmm. of the software that's being built. So, you know, right. it, it comes down to the, you know, why and how we build what we want, you know, and I, sure. I think about what we're doing with, you know, simple VT and, and payment links, the, the simplicity of what we're trying to achieve, you know, it works uh, because we think about our, our customers, you know, our, our customers are our merchants and the sales organization as well. So, you know, yeah. companies, you know, and I'll think of like Apple again, you know, Apple is always uh, directing, you know, where the market's going to go and de- delivering feature sets that they anticipate that the that the end user is going to want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the other the other scenario and, and how again, how I view it is participation in the development with the sales organization and then gaining that knowledge from how the customer is using that technology, tying those back together. So, um, you know, in, in most cases, you know, a lot of ISO struggle selling POS and other solutions because I really view it as they're, they're using it as a vehicle just to get to payments, you know? Mm-hmm, right. And as, as payments become more and more transparent and blended into those solutions, um, it becomes, you know, more of a holistic value proposition for the seller, right. you know, the client and the company. Sure. Right. Well, and it's like, I, I recently was doing a training event about uh, selling software. And I said, you know, these people that are selling point of sale in order to get payments, it's like trying to sell somebody a car in order to get them to buy a house. You know, it's yeah, like right. the software is the sell. Like that's the value. That's the, the big piece. And so the payment processing fits into that. But the idea that you're going to lead off with merchant services and somehow back into a software sale um, sometimes can be a little bit challenging. So if you could kind of expound a little bit more, like when you, when you think about Beyond Storefront, which I know is a product that has been mm-hmm. popular, when you think about the development of that, Brent, you know, how much of that was in consideration of the sales partner? In other words, are you trying to build a software that you think your salespeople can sell? Or are you trying to build a software purely based on what you think merchants want? Or is it kind of a combination? Can you talk a little bit about your, your process of developing the software? Yeah, well, it, I mean, ideally it's both, right? Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, Beyond, you know, Beyond provides business tools and services for entrepreneurs. And, and that's kind of our full name, right? So, right. you know, those entrepreneurs are both our clients and our sales force. Um, so, you know, any product that we offer absolutely starts with consideration of those two markets. Um, you know, and it's exactly how we developed, you know, beyond storefront. So, you know, even before COVID e-commerce was a key focus for beyond, um, making it easier for salespeople to sell without having to understand all the nuance of the domain names, the web hosting, the shopping carts. Um, you know, we looked at, you know, the merchant needs even before COVID, uh, you know, e-commerce is overwhelming for many, you know, how can we make that better? Right. And then, you know, once the pandemic hit in the U.S., the question itself, you know, didn't change. It, only the urgency increased and the size right. of the addressable, you know, market increased. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every business needs to sell online, whether you're technically sadly or not. So, you know, let's build something that's simple that makes your business look stylish online and, you know, keeps your doors open while your physical doors are closed. And, uh, you know, looked at uh, looked at the big guys and what they did. And we looked at, 
what uh, what our clients and our Salesforce were again asking for, and we started small. I mean, we built uh, you know minimum marketable product that you know addressed the needs and rapidly expanded you know the offering from there. Um, you know, now almost a year from from that initial release, we've you know continuously released enhancements and improvements based really on the client and the sales feedback in order to you know provide you know both sets of entrepreneurs the best possible tools and services. You know, that's a that's a really great segue to a question I had, Brent, and that is QR codes. You know, I mean that's like sort of a technology that's been kind of in the background for a while, but really seems to be coming to the forefront. And I'm wondering if you could speak to QR technology and the importance of that um, in the payment space and how beyond is, you know, what you're doing uh, to leverage this technology within your solutions. It's a really good intro to the question because it is, it is old technology, you know, it's, yeah, right. it's interesting, you know, you know, how technology works, right? And mm-hmm. the most important thing is when the adoption of it really happens. Um, so, you know, think about this. I mean, QR codes have been around for years. And, and then, uh, you know, QR codes in the context of payments are really all about simplicity and ease, ease of, you know, cardholder experience. Right. Um, you know, simply snapping a QR with your phone can take you to a payment page, an invoice, a menu, you know, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the QR code itself is only a gateway to that web application. So it's important to understand that the real experience from the cardholder's perspective, in my mind, comes from where the QR code takes them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, From a merchant perspective, the possibilities are equally endless, right? Sure. So Beyond provides QR codes for the back office that you know, take merchants to our Beyond One commerce platform. Um, you know, where they can manage their payments through the reporting, the deeper analytics. Um, but we're also leveraging QR codes in the card presence space with uh, our Beyond Select smart terminals. So, you know, we'll display QR codes on the receipts that allow merchants to, uh, you know, quickly recall transactions for edits, refund, voids, tip uh-huh. adjustments. And, uh, you know, from their expansion to gift loyalty usage is, you know, just kind of natural. Uh, of this technology and uh, another item, you know, both on our storefront and select roadmaps. So, so Brent, this is so interesting. And I know you guys have so many technology solutions. One of the things that fascinates me about Beyond is you do have a lot of value added things that you can sell, whether it's your payroll, point of sale technology, whatever it might be. So I think one of the big questions for our audience is, you know, the sales process, how does this work? You know, so you have all these things that you can sell and so as your salespeople go out there, what do they do? Do they, do they lead off and, and just, here's this massive solution? Is it about finding out the needs first? Like, can you talk a little bit about the sales process in general terms and, and how that usually flows? Sure, sure. And it's, it's really interesting because on, uh, on the sales side, we're, we're, bring, we're attracting um, uh, new business advocates from a multiple, multitude of different industries, right? right. So. One of the things that makes, uh, you know, it's one of the things that makes our sales team, you know, very impressive to me, you know, is that we bring in those individuals with different backgrounds um, and from many different industries and various skill sets. So, you know, the process that we encourage from the field is meeting the client where they are, becoming a true advocate for their business. And, you know, and if a particular sales rep uncovers a gap that one of our products could fill, they'll explore it with them at that point. You know, the intention on each meeting is to help the client learn 
how our products can create more efficiencies in their business. Um, so if, if that's by implementing multiple products at once, you know, that's definitely something we can do. Um, the business advocates, you know, take the approach that that works for them, you know, for their selling style and, uh, you know, for the client they're meeting with. You know, the, 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 the follow-up sales process, which is really important in our overall uh, retention efforts and, and bringing uh, new products uh, to the market is, you know, the, what, what I call, you know, the service after the handshake, right? You know, it, it all goes back to that quality assurance review that you're doing with your existing clients, you know, staying in front of them, staying in touch with them, and then proposing additional solutions that are going to benefit and uh, bring value to their business and bring efficiencies, you know, and that includes, you know, payroll, business solutions, analytics, you know, and uh, even feature sets that we add to storefront or VT or select or something else. You know, one of the, one of the things I, I wanted to touch on real quick is a follow-up to that because Brent, I love what you're talking about. And I think it's such an untapped resource in our industry for a lot of <clears throat> agents and ISOs where I'll talk to them and they literally have 300 merchant accounts, 200 merchant accounts. And I'll say, you know, when is the last time that you went back through those to address their needs? And they say, oh, I've, you know, I already sold them, you know, and I'm like, man, I mean, I remember when I got somewhere around 150, 200 merchant accounts personally, this is like 12 years ago. And it was like, I all of a sudden woke up one day and realized I'm set, you know, I'm going to keep growing this thing. But, you know, I would go around, I would sell two or three point of sale systems a month. I also sold payroll processing. I would add that in there. I had a marketing, you know, we do like web design stuff. And it was like, Oh my, I loved it. You just go help these business owners out. And then you still have your prospecting time. But are you seeing that like I am Brent, where it's like, I feel like a lot of the industry is just kind of this idea like, well, we sold them payment processing. So it's like, whatever we can sell them up front, we'll sell them up front. And then it's like, well, good luck. And then, and then it's like, why is our attrition so high? Well, right. maybe because they haven't seen you for the last three years, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a really, it, it seems so simple, right, James, is that, yeah. You just go back and you service you you service your clients, um, you know. And I, I think about this from from a revenue standpoint. I look at it like this: I, we all have we all have a checking account, right? And when you when you get a check, you deposit it. Um, might be virtual, might be a, a QR scan in, or whatever the case may be. Right. At right. Um, but every time you write a check out, you know you're taking that with that withdrawal is coming out. We don't, uh, we, we try to really balance that out from our perspective at Beyond. And that's why that, that a quality assurance review and follow up with your clients is so important because you're right. I mean, the idea of bringing in 25 new clients and then losing 50% of them, you're just never creating any retention or, or revenue growth from it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the focus that, that we, we build our sales process around. You know, both Brent, both you and James mentioned, mentioned payroll service, and that kind of sparked an interest in me because it seems to me that that's almost a no-brainer, right? Um, but you know, I'd like to talk, like if you could just delve into that a little bit. Why did you choose to offer payroll processing, and how, and how in particular, something like payroll processing contribute to overall merchant satisfaction and lower attrition? Sure. Does it affect attrition? I would think it would. Right. Well, you know, it really comes down to that, that one throat to choke, you know, if you will, trying to be that one source of contact or that one extension um, uh, solution provider to the merchant 
where the merchant can reach out to their business advocate, their uh, sales advocate, uh, their, their sales, their, our service advocates, um, and get one answer, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, just have, having that one phone call to, uh, to, to make and, and get a resolution if they're having, experiencing a problem. Um, you know, and, and we have kind of a unique approach to the, the payroll uh, industry. We have, uh, we have individuals that have come from uh, a background selling payroll with uh, ADPs and paychecks and so forth. And that really becomes their, their key focus. You know, that's okay. how they start building their business. Uh -huh. The other side of that, uh, Patty, is to introduce what, what we call simple payroll. Uh, to all of our business advocates, and so, that, what is that a, a, like a scaled back version of a of a high end um, payroll service? It it, it can fill all the gaps, but okay. in, in all honesty, sure, it's uh, it's checking the boxes. Do we right. meet your specific needs? You know, right. is it twenty five or fifteen and under employees? Do you have an on online payroll service where we can pull the reports and we can do the implementation? And then we'll actually engage them with, um, you know, one of our payroll experts, you know, to okay. run through a demo. And as the business advocates understands how to sell, how to sell more and more payroll, you know, they can graduate, if you will, to um, getting into, you know, uh, Watsi credits and some of uh, HR on demand and some of our okay. some of our additional value add solutions sure. there. So mm -hmm. that becomes kind of the next. Uh, transition for them in their sales career. Yeah. 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 I like that. I, I've always thought payroll was <clears throat> um, an obvious, uh, obvious one because the, you know, it's kind of the, it's kind of the old credit card processing pitch of, you know, cost savings when it comes to right. payroll. I mean, it's kind of utilitarian. It's like your people get paid every week. Mm -hmm. and, you got to, you have to do you it. Know, <laughs> right. But, but the one thing I think it's interesting, Brian, I don't know if you've found this, but payroll processing, the level of service expectation versus payment processing is dramatically different. I mean, our company out of all the vendors that we have, without a doubt, the one we talk to the most is our payroll provider. Um, right. Because, you know, we gave this person a raise, this person got let go, this person changed a salary, this per, you know, there's a lot of stuff. And so I think it's, uh, it's definitely much more of a service oriented approach, but it's nice you have that same concept of residual income and the cost structure mm -hmm. that I think does kind of pair, you know, pretty well with merchant services. Well, you know, and just, just to add on to that, I think the, the concept of bundling is really important as well, right? Yes. Is, um, you know, let, let's try and hold some margin on your payment business and maybe discount your payroll or vice versa, right? right. Um, so, you know, the perceived value from the merchant is, is really good, but we're, again, we're kind of building that, those retention efforts behind it. And, uh, you know, it's really a win-win for, uh, yeah. for the business advocate as well as the merchant. For sure. So I think for, you know, I'd love to just keep talking for a long time about this stuff, but I, I do want to get back for a second to getting the sales team up and going with selling software and these value-added services. So I think a good last question here would be to talk about sales team management and structure a little bit. Uh, you know, it's no secret that the large chunk of our industry really lacks um, structure of any kind when it comes to sales management. And so what I was curious from, from your perspective is beyond having what I consider to be a really nice structure in place. Um, how big of an impact does that have on, you know, training and getting these salespeople to the point where they can bundle services and they can sell these different things and you can hold them accountable to some of these metrics and add-ons and, and things of that nature, you know, 
tell us a little bit about the sales team structure and how you feel that impacts your ability to, you know, uh, bundle services together and sell value added. Sure, sure. So, you know, everything really, you know, everything comes down to the managers. Um, so think about it, you know, I think about it that way. The management team can't possibly ask their direct reports to sell a product if they can't represent it themselves. Right. Um, so with, uh, with our management structure uh, in place, so is in place so that the teams can trust their leadership and turn to them for that help. So, you know, we really look at two aspects to this. We have the new hire orientation that we go through, uh, but we also have, you know, return to learn from them. And more importantly is uh, that division director and team lead uh, learning process, you know, that, that sales enablement for them, because ultimately they're the ones, you know, directly in the field, in the markets, working with their, their team, you know, shoulder to shoulder. So they have to have a real important understanding of the products and solutions we sell. So we do a lot of training with, uh, with management and, uh, you know, and that's, that really carries down to the reinforcement of the training that we do with new hires and business advocates. Um, you know, that, that advocacy is, is really, it's a recurring theme within, within our inter- entire organization. And, uh, the, you know, the internal support representatives are advocates for each other, uh, the sales organization, as well as the merchants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our corporate product resources, advocates for sales and industry trends. And so, you know, and we refer to our sales representatives as those business advocates and then kind of build around them with that management structure, you know, in place. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So Brent, always great information. I think for our audience, I know a lot of them are probably, you know, maybe they're not familiar with beyond and they're probably interested in learning more about it. Could you take just a second to share with our audience? What, what are the types of people that are a good fit for beyond? And if, if they might fit that criteria, where would they go to learn more about you and about your company? Sure. Sure. So there's really three pillars that we, that we've built beyond on and continue to build upon. And I, I referred to him a little bit earlier in the, in our conversation. It's the, uh, it's the business advocates, you know, our, our sellers, it's our sales advocates or sales enablement advocates, which is our, uh, you know, sales training, sales enablement, product development team. And then most importantly, I think one thing that really separates us apart is our service advocates. Um, uh, we don't, we don't have a, a call center. We don't have a ticketing system. Um, we have a service center that's servicing not only our business advocates, supporting our sales enablement, and out, you know, obviously supporting our merchant base as well. Um, you know, beyond, we're an organization of self-starters, you know, who are right. thriving to make connections in their local business communities. Um, and uh, you know, with, with members of the sales organization across the country, you know, I'm just, I'm pleased to hear how connected our corporate employees are to the salespeople. Um, the, the teams get very few opportunities to work face-to-face, but, you know, the drive uh, to excellence in their work leads, leads itself to that approach. And, uh, you know, the experience in the industry has always been uh, always a good running start, but positive work ethic and the desire to be an advocate are the ingredients for success. Um, and we're looking to fill all of those roles in honesty. Uh, yeah. As we continue to grow, we, we need to build out our sales organization with those advocates. Uh, we need to continue building out our sales enablement and product development team, as well as our corporate employees. So, um, 
you can go to uh, career.getbeyond.com and uh, get more information about uh, the opportunities that are available to you in different markets. And uh, you'll also notice there are some of uh, two of the really key components that, that back, our, back our business model are uh, the 10 promises for our, uh, our sales advocates, uh, business advocates, as well as the 10 promises for our merchant clients. Right. Right. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, Brent, as always, it's a pleasure speaking with you. I think our audience, hopefully they got a lot of good stuff out of that. Um, I know some people will reach out, but I think it's just great that you guys are sharing with the industry and kind of helping the industry learn a little bit of how do we get our team to sell software and value added services. So thank you so much for taking time to be with us today, Brent. Yeah, really good stuff, Brent. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, James. Thank you, Patty. It's been a pleasure to join you. So Patty, Valor Paytech is it actually ended up being one of the main sponsors of the SEAA this year. Oh, um, that's going to be sun, sun, uh, fun in the sun, right? Fun in the sun. I'm going to be there. I'm on a panel. I'm excited about it. So I'll be up there speaking. Um, down, I should say down there, I guess, in Florida. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're there and you've been listening to our podcast, do me a huge favor if you're at the SEAA, okay? I want you to go to the Valor booth. You'll see it. It's there big. It's go to the Valor booth. One. And let them know and say, hey, I heard about you guys on the Merchant Sales Podcast. Yes. And I wanted to talk to you. Let them know you heard about us on the podcast. That will help us out. Um, and also mm-hmm. it'll help you because you're going to get a chance to interact with them, you know, see the hardware, see the software, understand a little better. So if you're going to be at the SEAA, definitely make sure you look me up. I'll be walking around there somewhere so you can see me. Um, and then also make sure you head over to the Valor booth and, and check that out. Um, and I think, you know, it's a great idea that people go go check it out because it's one thing when you can see it on a Zoom, right? you know, online, but yes. actually being there and then you can, you yes. know, have the one-on-one. I think it's a great idea. So definitely head on over there. And if you aren't at SEAA, you can always go to ccsalespro.com slash V-A-L-O-R and get a free demo. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. Well, so Patty, it's only been like a few days ago uh, that I did my big live event on how to sell software to small and medium business owners. I thought, well, that's a pretty good segue from uh, what we were just talking about there with uh, Brent. With Brent, sure. How to sell software. So, um, you know, I think the tips that, you know, we pulled from that and had a really, really fun event um, is, you know, if you really want to sell software, and I think Brent just echoed a lot of these same things, is that if you really want to sell software to small, medium business owners, it really does need to be a focus. Um, I talked a lot in the live event about ways that you can make this transition without going full blown, you know, I'm done selling payments, but you do have to have that mental shift to start thinking of yourself a little bit differently, thinking of yourself as that software sales professional. Right. Um, And so what I find is I'm talking to uh, agents today that are trying to figure this out. You know, generally the biggest issue is they just, they cannot make that mental shift in their identity. They're not shifting their identity from a payments expert to a software expert. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. just, you know, in their mind, it's like, well, I'm not a software expert. Well, no, you're probably not. And so you need to become one, right? In, at least in your own mind. And, and, you know, when you say a software expert, I mean, when I started selling payment processing. Yeah, within, you were a payments expert, right? <laughs> within within a couple of weeks, 
I knew significantly more than my prospects did about payments. Right. right? That's all that really matters. That's all that matters. That's yeah. how you're going to come across the right way. And the same thing with software. The other key is though, you say, well, how do I become a software expert? There's all these different softwares and different business types. Well, that's why I talked in the event about you want to sell one software solution to one vertical and you want to focus on one feature or value proposition. Right. Um, and you can become an expert at that. You Within two weeks, anybody listening right now, within two weeks, you could become an expert at software for inventory management. You mm-hmm. can become an expert at a po- online appointment scheduling for hair salons. Mm-hmm. You know, if you pick a vertical and you pick one software and one, um, you know, one feature set, you can absolutely become an expert at that. And so all I really want to do today is very, very quick segment for me. I actually just wanted to give away my free training course. Um, so if you go to ccsalespro.com slash training, so it's ccsalespro.com slash training. If you're already one of our All Access Pass members, uh, the course is already there. It's loaded up. Just click on it and you can watch it. Um, if you're not one of our subscribers yet, I'm, I'm doing a 14-day free trial. I feel like 14 days should be plenty of time for you to get through the course. It's only about two and a half hours. And so you can go through mm-hmm. it slowly um, and get through the whole thing for free. If you don't find any more value in the other 40 video courses I have, just cancel. Um, if you do find value in it, then the subscription will start after that point. Um, but you can get a free 30-day trial. So just head over to ccsalespro.com slash training. Um, and then if you're an ISO listening and you have a team of people, we are customizing that training course, branding it for ISOs already. Um, and so uh-huh. we have a lot of ISOs that subscribe to our training for all of their agents. Um, very, very cost-effective if you have a good-sized team. Um, just reach out to John and our team. It's J-O-N at ccsalespro.com. So it's J-O-N at ccsalespro.com. Let them know you got a sales team and you want access to the training. Um, again, you could go to ccsalespro.com slash training to see some of the, the types of courses we have available, but then talk to John. He can get that customized for you. So really today, just want to do a plug for our training. And uh, I really believe it's something that our industry needs. And it's something yes. that I literally have taken the last year or so of my life to, you know, it's like these courses, you know, yeah, it, it took me like two weeks to shoot it, but it really took me two years to figure out how to shoot it because, you know, mm-hmm. I would start and, and it's, I, you know, joke around with Danny McHale from Zuzik because he was working with me on it a little bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. he would, he would email me every once in a while. Hey, I had another ISO ask about when this course is going to be done. How are you doing? You know? And it's like, <laughs> I said, well, I shot it and then I threw it away, you know, and then I shot it again and I threw it away. And then I shot it again and I threw it away because I would talk to people, you know, in my consulting practice or talking to agents. And to me, I can make a training course that sounds good easily, but making sure. one that sounds good that actually works and is correct and implement, mm-hmm. you know, you can implement it. And it's going to work. Um, that's a lot harder, but I feel very confident with what we have. So if you're looking to make that transition, um, you know, definitely grab the training. I think you're going to love it. Excellent. Thanks, James. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. So this week, folks, on Insider's Report, I want to share some data um, from some recent consumer and small business surveys. There's a new report out um, from the ETA and the Straw Hacker Group that shows digital payments really taking off, as we've discussed in the past. But I I just thought putting some hard numbers to this would be a really good idea. So um, Straw Hacker did a survey of of SMB, small, medium-sized businesses, in April. Um, and they now see digital payments as more important to the business than it was prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to that, 
44% are now accepting digital wallets, which makes digital wallets the third most common form of payment behind uh, credit and debit cards and cash, which wow. still blows my mind. 64% are, you know, is the, uh, is the cash number, mm. uh, you know, wow. uh, 70% for cards and 44% for, for, you know, for digital payments. When you say that's the cash number, what do you mean? That's the amount of revenue that's coming in as cash or that's. The- no. How many merchants are accepting cash as a common for, you know, a, What's okay. what are the three most common forms of payment you're accepting? And sixty four percent of them said cash was one of those top three. Yes. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Which I still think is you know I mean that's a whopping number considering. Yeah. 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 I'm just surprised because we've talked so much about people right. not wanting to use cash. Right. Uh, contactless payments using either a you know a card, a chip card, or a digital wallet continue to gain favor more than a third of merchants say they've seen increased uh an increase in contactless payments and it's about uh that's compared to last year when about a quarter had seen an increase in contactless payments so you know that's why the cash number still blows my mind but you know right um Debit cards are gaining. Um, 16% of merchants say they're seeing more debit card payments than they did prior to the pandemic. Which I think goes to people wanting to spend the money they have as opposed to running up credit card balances. Right. Um, right. And a quarter of SMBs have added new sales channels in the past year. Hmm. Um, 13% of incorporated buy now, pay later. Okay. Uh, wow. 26% of implemented mobile app, mobile apps. Mm-hmm. 30% offer in-store contactless payments. Uh, 15% of adopted e-commerce solutions and 17% offer online delivery and pickup. Uh, and I thought that e-commerce solution number was interesting given our interview with Brent today um, and how they've been really, you know, moving forward on e-commerce. They also found a couple attitudinal changes among merchants that that seem promising for, uh, you know, merchant sales reps. 30% 30% of SMBs feel somewhat or very supported by their payment services providers. What was that percentage again? 30. 30%? 30%. But a remind, <laughs> reminder, last year it was 25. <laughs> oh, our industry has made exciting like gains. A- we, we now have slightly right? more than a quarter of our customers think we're doing a good job. <laughs> but that, yeah, isn't that, I mean, that just blows my mind that it's not like uh, I'm not sure 30%. What's, I'm not sure what's more surprising, the fact that it's 30% or the fact that that's an increase. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, 43% think digital payments are either somewhat or much more important. Um, now, I wanted to also just give you another uh, set of data points that came out of MasterCard, which I thought was interesting. They commissioned uh, Harris pollsters okay. to uh, survey uh, thousands of commu- consumers around the world. Okay. And, uh, you know, uncovered some what I think are some noteworthy uh, trends. 63% of consumers have tried a new payment method in the past year that they otherwise would not have tried. Wow. That's pretty big. And That's and the huge. three most popular being contactless, QR codes, and biometric, which I think must be in other parts of the I country. I don't, say, I don't, I don't yeah. see that here at no, all, uh-uh. but, but I can see that in some, you know, developing yeah. nations. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, 
Uh, 93% said they are more likely to try at least one emerging payment method in the next, next year. Hmm. So that's almost all, you know, nine, yeah. better than nine out of 10. Hmm. Um, wow. And the top three for that were contactless, biometric, which again, I think is, you know, right. not in the U.S., cryptocurrencies. Yeah, sure. I yeah. was, you know, not totally surprised by that, but I'm still kind of whacked by that. I don't know if you, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. we've we've talked about that in the past, but right, uh, right. I remember uh, you were mentioning Dogecoin um, a couple yeah. weeks ago, right? Yeah. That's and uh, I was watching a lot, Saturn, a lot of people. A lot of people call it Dogecoin because right, I know. <laughs> but, but but technically, it is Doge. Yeah. You, in fact, you you kind of like um. Uh, I call me it. I still, I always call it Dogecoin because I know. Because, you know, uh, Elon Musk kind of started the whole thing of right. you know, all this. And it, it has the picture of the dog right on it. I know. I know. When you said uh, that the other day, I had to do a double take. And it was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live the other night. Right. And they had this little little thing about explain to us about cryptocurrencies. Right. Right. And they, you know, he go, well, you know, he's giving these, you know, well, it's a representation of money. Yeah, but what is it? You know, and like, and finally he's like, it's a scam. <laughs> I actually yeah. said it's a hustle. That's what he said. It's, it's a, a hustle. hustle. It's a hustle. Yeah. The next day, or you know, the next trading day, Dogecoin or Dogcoin took like a nosedive. And yeah. I thought, wow, that just shows you how, you know. Yeah how that particular cryptocurrency rises and falls on one man's yeah. words, you know? Well, well, that's because that's all there is. There's nothing else to it. So. Right. Exactly. It's all, it's all so. confidence. You know, the confidence is there. Or it's not. So. Right. So anyway, a couple more, co- a couple more data points, cash sure. and ship cards, according to uh, consumers surveyed by Harris, cash and chip cards are the most secure form of payment. Cash and chip card. Okay. Yep. 68% each of, uh, up for each of those, you know, okay. were considered. Digital money transfer uh, followed that with 64% of consumers who felt that okay. was secure. Okay. Mobile mobile wallets were uh, close behind with 59%. Okay. Now, you know, not surprisingly, consumers in emerging markets, you know, many of which have already leapfrogged the U.S. in terms of... of um, payments technology. Payments technology are far more likely to like um, these digital types of, of transactions than are, you know, uh, consumers in, in our, in the U S and Europe. Right. And I think that that's, you know, when you look at populate, if you look at the global market for payments and how large some of these population centers are in the emerging markets, you know, the fact that they've leapfrogged over things like credit cards and cash yeah. um, is just, you know, just like, uh, you know, rocketing yeah. the overall volumes, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I mean, I think, uh, you know, clearly there's a lot of change in the air and I think COVID uh, definitely pushed a lot of these trends forward a little faster than we anticipated. Yeah, I think, you know, like a lot of us said, I think even as Brent was mentioning today, you know, QR codes, they've been around forever. Now right. people are really looking at right. QR codes for it's payments. An easy, it's an easy form of contactless. It's so, it's the easiest yeah. form of contactless, yeah, if you ask me. So I was interested. I don't know. I don't know how much TV you watch. I, I'm a late night TV watcher. And I've seen a bunch of commercials lately. Like, 
you know, take a picture of this QR code and we'll send you. It's like, right. wow, right even on the, on the commercials now, but yeah. they're putting a big QR code on the yep. screen. Yeah, fastest way to get into somebody's phone is with the QR code. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so. love it. Wow, great stuff, Patty. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Thank you, James. This episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast was brought to you by Valor Paytech, the technology company that is revolutionizing cash discounting and surcharging with innovative features like dual mid support, waive the fee options, and even adding non-cash adjustment charges to tips. Now, all of this is made possible by a variety of technology devices and solutions such as gateways, tabletop point of sale devices, and features like SMS text messaging and e-invoicing, all with cash discounting in mind. Valor Paytech, bold ideas, smart execution. Make sure you head over to ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R, ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R. Schedule your free demo today and watch videos and learn more about this amazing technology solution. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.